you're here, grab your Bibles with me this morning. Turn with me to Acts chapter 15. I don't know about you guys, I had a little problem relating to this couple because Hope and I, we just don't have any problems. We don't ever have any conflict. We have a perfect marriage. And uh, no, seriously, what something that was kind of funny, uh, it was not funny at the time, but uh, this week as I was preparing this message and we're, we're wrapping up this series called Building Better Relationships, we've been working on our relationships as we're starting off the new year. Um, I, I knew I was going to be uh, and was working on the very day. I was working on the message, uh, working through conflict and talking about that. And we're going to be talking about that today. Hope comes in. I'm working on the message. And uh, it's one of those things. I don't know if you guys, if you're married, if you have a, a deal like that where sometimes just something's said and this next thing you know, we're in a conflict. And I'm thinking, seriously, God, are you serious? At the very moment, I'm working on the message about conflict and I felt like God was saying, I'm just testing you out. I want to see if you're going to put into practice what you're going to be talking about today. And uh, fortunately, we, everything was, was okay as it, as it always works out. And we talked about things. And I just want you to know we try to be transparent as your pastors. We struggle just like everyone does. We, uh, we uh, have conflict and we, we, we sometimes have a little, little trouble like that. But God gives us the grace to work through things like this. And we are in this series. We're in this series called Building Better Relationships. This is the last week. And here's the deal. As long as there are relationships in your life, it's not a matter of if. It's not a matter of if you're going to have conflict. It's more a matter of when, how often, and here is the thing how you're going to deal with it whenever it comes up. Because the truth is, is that you're going to have conflict from one time at one time or another, whether you're married, and this isn't just a, a, a talk, this isn't a talk really today about marriage at all. Pastor Randy did a great job talking about that last week. We had a great marriage conference yesterday with a number of couples that came, and they were able to talk yesterday in the marriage conference about dealing with conflict and hit some really powerful points on that. So that's not what this is today. If you're not a married person, you're going, here we go again, it's talking about marriage. That's not what this is. This is just conflict in general, conflict in our life. And how do you deal with it as a believer? And we've been talking about the dynamics of our relationships. And, and you know, one of the things that we've discovered and we established in the first, first week is, is that there's not anything that is more important in our life than our relationships. Our jobs are not more important than that. Uh, you know, uh, there's not anything that is more important than the dynamic of our relationships. And we talked about, first of all, that relationship with God that's been made possible through Jesus Christ. That is by far the most important thing in our life. And then also the relationship that we have with other people. These things are so important. And the Bible speaks so much about our relationships. These things are really important to the heart of God. What we also talked about, just giving you a little bit of a review, is that because our relationships are so important to the heart of God, that we know that we have a spiritual enemy, that he is going to work on and attack our relationships like nothing else because he, he knows that that's what is important to God's heart. He knows this also. Our enemy knows this, that, guys, when our relationships aren't right, whether it's in the marital relationship or relationship with, with children or just within the context of friends or whatever, I mean, it really can affect us in some big ways. And, 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 th- and it doesn't matter how successful you are in your job or how successful you are in other areas. When our relationships aren't right, it affects us. 
it affects us in big ways. And, and so not only do we have, we learn not only do we have an external enemy that is attacking our relationships and wants to trip us up in this area because there's nothing that can rob you of your joy quicker than whenever you're not in a right relationship with other people or there's a lot of conflict in your life. Nothing can rob you of that joy and that peace in your life quicker than those things. At least that's something I experienced in my own life. Not only do we have an external enemy, but we learn from God's word that we also have the flesh that is is something that exists. Even as believers, our flesh is still there. And there's this battle, there's this war that's going on between the spirit of God that lives inside of us as believers and our flesh, which is all about self. It's all about selfishness and it's all about pride and self-preservation and being right and winning, uh, you know, in relationships and all this James talks about this in James chapter 1. This isn't our main text, but James chapter, chapter 4, actually. Chapter 4, verse 1, here's what he says. He says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights that are among you? What causes these things? Now, look at this last part with me. In fact, will you read it out loud with me? I think we got it up there on the screen. Yes. Read it out loud with me. What does it say? Don't they come from the evil desires that are what? That are at our war within you. So our flesh is in existence. Our flesh is still there. And and we discovered in God's word that when our flesh is there and our flesh begins to dominate in our relationships, then this thing called pride begins to creep in. And when pride starts creeping in and who's right and who's going to win in the relationship, that's when we have conflict. That's when conflict emerges. And, and thanks be to God, though, we discovered in the book of Galatians, and we looked and we see, we've seen this all throughout the, the Scriptures, is that because we have Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that if we choose to begin to yield to Him in every area of our life, even in our relationships, now the way that we respond in conflict can be really different. It can be different than the way the rest of the world responds when conflict emerges. Today I want to talk to you from God's Word about dealing with conflict whenever it does come up. And it is going to come up. And some of you, and, and we had this in the first service this morning, I had a number of people that just came and said, we need you to pray with us. We, we're struggling. We're having problems with this relationship or that relationship. Will you come and pray, pray with us, Pastor Barn? And, and there were a number of folks that are hurting this morning that you're here in this service. And as, as we mention this issue of relationships and we mention conflict, it's something that's really is a sore spot for you because maybe there's some relationships that aren't right. As long as you have relationships, you'll have conflict at some point. In the book of Acts, chapter 15, this is a passage that I've taught on before, that we've looked at before, but I just felt led this week to come back to this. I felt led to come back, and I know that even if you've heard some of the things that I've talked about today, I still believe and know that God can speak to you and maybe remind you of some of these things or maybe even show you something different that you did not see the last time. But the truth is that because conflict is inevitable in our relationships, Until we learn to deal with it, whenever it emerges in our relationships in a biblical manner, I want to tell you, our relationships and our spiritual journey and our maturity will never be what God intends for it to be until we learn to work through conflict. Until we learn to biblically process these things, whenever it happens in our lives, uh, we'll not be spiritually what God has called us to be. And I just want to really be perfectly direct about this, that based on my observation, and and I'm just going to be candid about my own uh, problem with this area here. I'm going to tell you about how I struggle with this here in just a minute. 
that, that it, on my, as my observation as a pastor and a pastor of a great church with a lot of wonderful people that want things to be right with one another, what I still observe all of the time, and, and again, it's, we have a lot of new believers in our church, what I still observe is that even with people who are Christians and believers and some who have been Christians for some time, there seems to be this inability for, for some and for many even to deal uh, with relational conflict, to deal with it in a biblical manner whenever it comes up in our lives. And that's why there's a, there's a whole lot of strife that, that is in many of our lives because we've not learned how to deal functionally or, or in a healthy manner whenever this kind of stuff emerges. And it just, man, it can rob us of our joy and, and we're not effective as believers. We lose our, lose our witness. We lose our, our testimony. Our peace is just gone when we don't know how to, to deal with this. Some of us, we deal with it in completely different ways. You saw this couple that, that, that we watched just kind of as they talked about how conflict comes up in their marriage. Man, how does he deal with it? This guy is aggressive. He wants to deal with it right now. I want to talk about everything. I want to fix it right now. And uh, maybe she wasn't so much like this. She wanted to, to think things through, which seems to be the wiser way to go. And, uh, but they deal with it. They come at this issue of conflict in different kinds of ways. And that's how many of us are who are here this morning. We have different personalities. We respond to it differently whenever it comes up. There are some of you who are here this morning that that you're passive-aggressive whenever it comes to conflict, you know. And, uh, and it may come up in your life, and, and as conflict emerges in your relationships, you're kind of the passive-aggressive one. You're still aggressive, but you're just sly about it in the way that you handle it. You're kind of angry on the inside, and, and that anger begins to turn to resentment, and you can be a grudge holder, and, and, you know, and you're kind of thinking this, and you'll have a big smile on your face. This is the creepy part about this, is you'll have a big smile on your face the whole time, but on the inside you're thinking, I don't want to fight outwardly right now, uh, but, and I'm getting more angry as things go on. This passive-aggressive kind of mentality, and the smile is there, but in their minds they're thinking, I'm going to get you one day. <laughs> and they've got a big creepy smile on their face, okay? Anybody here, just you know anybody that's passive-aggressive? Anybody know anybody like that? Lift your hands up, okay? No pointing, otherwise you'll get the silent treatment for a week, okay? So no, no pointing, but uh, how, how many of you would say, yeah, I, I can be kind of passive-aggressive at times, okay? All right, some of you are pretty honest about that. Here's what I want. Some of you were really quick to raise hands, all right? I, here, here's what I want to ask you, all right? How are you, honestly, you came here this morning because you wanted to meet with God. You want to have an encounter with Him. So let's be honest before God this morning. How, how are your relationships? How are they, especially whenever they come to conflict? I had some folks, again, that were just so broken in between the services because this really was something that is just such a sore spot in their life. As they're struggling with, with relationships with their family, it wasn't necessarily a husband and wife type deal. Again, that was, a lot of that was discussed yesterday in our marriage conference but so, there were so, so many folks that said, I'm really just struggling. Man, it's, this is whipping me down. This is hurting me. I, I, I don't know that I can deal with it. I don't even feel like getting out of bed sometimes because of the conflict that I'm struggling with. And these, these were conflicts that were mentioned with, with, uh, with grown children that this, these, this couple was struggling. And I was hurting with them so much as they were talking about this. How are you whenever it comes to the relationships that are in your life? Is there some conflict that is there that that maybe has been unresolved, or some things that maybe you've been avoiding and, and, and you just haven't wanted to deal with, or maybe you've just kind of grown used to the dysfunction and, you, you know, and, and, and as bad as things are, you know they're bad, but you're like, man, I don't want to deal with it because it's just so hard to deal with. 
How are your relationships today? I don't know if you can identify with this at all, but I'm just going to tell you, and I said I was going to be transparent about myself, I'm not a big fan of conflict. I really, really do not like that. I mean, it makes me really uncomfortable. I, mean, I can get sick at my stomach. You know, I hate conflict whenever it, it comes up, and it, it, it does come up. And when, when, when I get in conflict with people, and that happens because, again, I'm human, and, and other people are human, and, and we have different ideas about things, and I have tension with somebody, but I just want to tell you about myself. Man, I hate the way that I feel inside. I hate the way that it, it, it oppresses me. It weighs down upon me whenever... Now, this is me when I don't deal with it in a biblical way. Whenever I don't handle it in the right way, it affects every part of my being. It, it can consume my mind. For me, I'm one that loses sleep whenever I'm not right with somebody. I literally, I, I can't sleep because I'm thinking about this. I have conversations in, in my mind with that person. I don't know if it is. Anybody else do that or am I the only sick one, okay? I have conversations in my mind with that person. This is funny because Hope's not like this. Hope will catch me. She'll catch me having a, a conversation or an argument with someone to myself, okay? And uh, she'll catch me kind of talking. I may even be rolling my neck and kind of talking it out or whatever. She'll catch me, and she gets this big, passive-aggressive smile on her face, all right? She gets this big smile on her face, and she's like, are you, are, are, you, are you arguing with someone right now in your mind? And then I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't even realize I'm doing it sometimes. And, and then we laugh about it, and we talk about how I need counseling and how sick I am. And I mean, I know, I know I struggle with this. And, and unfortunately, because of the position that I'm in, and, and as a public speaker, I, I, I talk a lot in front of folks, and, and because I'm human, I say dumb things, and, and I say things that offend sometimes, and, and whenever you're a leader, and I just want to say, conflict is going to happen for everybody, but if you're a leader, and you're in any kind of leadership position, you can count on conflict being a part of that leadership process. It's a part of the deal. It's what comes along with it, and I've learned to accept that. It's, it's difficult, but I've learned to accept that, that not everybody, everybody is going to be happy with, with things that you think or things that you say or, or ideas that you have. That's just, and we're going to see this today in God's Word, that this is, it's still possible even in the midst of that to, to have a godly spirit about yourself even in the midst of this. You know, I, I, for someone that, that doesn't like tension or speaking or, 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 you know, speaking or being in a leadership position, it's not always fun. It's not always fun because there's often going to be some of that that goes along with it. And, you know, you go out to your car and you find out that it's been egged and Pastor Randy's out there with the egg carton, empty egg carton. I mean, it, I mean, it, it can be tough, okay? It can be tough. And for me, though, I've, I've kind of learned to deal. I get the pleasure of dealing with anonymous conflict, okay? That is where people have conflict with me, but they won't tell me and, uh, or they won't put their name on things that they write to me and... Uh, it used to really just wear me out. It used to get to me. It doesn't so much anymore. Now I just throw that stuff in the trash or they won't put their name on it. But, uh, but here is the thing. But those that I know and that I love, those that I have a relationship with, those that I'm doing life with, that I'm, that I'm existing with within the same community, that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm trying to do life with, a Christian life with, when conflict comes up, it's so difficult. And I, I'm kind of kind of a mix between what you saw on the video earlier. I do want to fix it immediately. I mean, I want that to be fixed because I don't like the way that I feel. And, and there have been times where I've done that and that was the wrong thing to do. And there have been times where I've, where I've not done that and, and that was the right thing to do. And so, you know, I think it's kind of a case-by-case -case situation as you're, 
as you're dealing with it. But here's what I do know. If I don't work on whatever it is that's going on inside of me in some kind of way, it really messes me up spiritually. And the Scripture talks about that. That's why there's so many things that talks about going and making things right with a brother or a sister in Christ or, or, or you know, not letting the, the sun go down while you're still angry. It doesn't mean, and we learned this yesterday in our marriage, that doesn't mean that you're going to work everything out that night. It just means that you deal with the anger. This means that you deal. The scripture talks so much about these kinds of things. When, whenever, whenever I don't deal with it, you know, it just, it really just affects me in a big way. And, and that's where some of you are this morning, is you've not been dealing with it, or you've chosen to avoid it, or, or you know, and, and, it, and it's just, it's been something that's just been like this. And, and I never thought I'd say this from the pulpit, but like a burr in your saddle for some time, right? Okay, there's got to be spiritual terminology somewhere for that. I wonder if there's anybody here though that you would say that you kind of you kind of love conflict. Is there anybody out there? Would you just admit that? Anybody? There's usually a couple of sickies in every crowd, okay, that you kind of love it. And I've thought, and i said this before for those of you, and, and, you know, and again, we kind of very generally and gently, if you did raise your hand, we call you psycho. And, uh, and the thing is, is we would love to, we would all love to put all of those who do raise their hand in that category, and there were a few in the first service, we'd like to put all of them in one section, okay? Put them in one section, maybe break into groups, and that way they're going to be in a group together and give them a controversial question to uh, kind of work through. That would be fun in my mind, okay, to kind of sit back and watch that as that happens. But, but I thought, wouldn't it be, um, you know, as we, as, as, as we think about this, you know, most folks don't like conflict. Most folks do not. But even though we don't like it, we still have to learn to deal with it. And not just by avoiding it, as so many of us are prone to do. The truth is, is if you value people, and I know that many of you do, you value your relationships, if you value peace, the peace of God in your life, then you've got to begin working on figuring out a healthy way to deal with this when it emerges, and it's going to emerge. I believe God's Word is something that really can help us with this. If you're not in a conflict right now, I'm glad for you. I'm really happy for you. Don't gloat because it could be coming your way. Someone could pick a fight with you right after church. You never know, okay? And you'll be tested as I was this week. But, but I want to show you something in the Scripture today about this interesting, as we look in God's Word, this interesting situation that came up just really out of nowhere. I mean, it was interesting how this happened and the way it, 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 it came about. As you look in Acts chapter 15 with me, you can go to verse 36. And I think today's scripture is going to challenge you to think about conflict in a different way. I think it's going to really just cause you to really just reassess some things and think about maybe if you're in the midst of a conflict, what that could mean for you. I pray that it encourages you today. This word encourages you because here's the deal. It does not turn out all nice and neat and tidy and everyone's happily ever after in the way that we would think that it should. But it does turn out for God's glory and God's purpose. Okay, and I, I hope that you can see that and appreciate that and know that if you're struggling with with conflict in your life, that God can intervene and do the very same thing. It may not work out the way that you would try to make it work in your life. God, in His way, can turn things for His glory, even when we don't expect it. I'm thankful that we find this example of Paul and Barnabas. If you don't know much about Paul, um, Paul is, 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 is an, the author of, of just about two-thirds of the New Testament. 
What's really interesting about this is Paul has this conflict with Barnabas, is that Paul has written so much of the New Testament, and so much of the New Testament deals with how to work through conflict, or deals with thoughts on conflict, or your feelings about this, or, or dealing with it spiritually. Paul talks about it. There were so many churches that Paul started that they had conflict within the churches, and Paul said, you've got to deal with this. And then we find Paul being put to the test. The other person in this conflict was a guy by the name of Barnabas. And, and if you're here and maybe you don't know anything about Paul, you don't know anything about Barnabas, that's okay. Um, you'll learn something about them today. But here is what you will identify with. You'll identify the issues that came up in their conflict. You'll identify with these issues. You'll, you'll, you'll see that they're the same kind of things that have maybe come up in what it is that you're struggling with. Here's some of the issues that, that they dealt with. The issues of their conflict, here's what they were. They were trust issues. There were some trust issues that, that they had. There were unmet expectations. Anybody relate to that one? You had some expectations about something and it didn't work out the way that you thought it should. Or Now, also, family dynamics became a part of this. There were family dynamics, and we'll see that in the, in the Scripture. There were strong opinions that were given and from strong personalities. And there were personal chemistry issues that were going on. And, and I know that you would probably all say that in one way or another, you can identify to one or many of those issues that was, that was in this conflict. Verse 36 in Acts 15, this is our text today. Here's what it says, and this just seems so simple at the beginning. Here's what it says. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Hey, let's go back and let's visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Put a stop to that right there, and it's just like, wow, what a great motive. What a great thing these guys are going to go do. They're going to go encourage new believers. They're going to go strengthen the churches that have been planted that are advancing the gospel. Just giving you a little bit of context here. They had traveled already previously throughout the region and they had been preaching the good news of Jesus that he had died on the cross for people's sins and payment for sin and that, and that Jesus was calling people into relationship with him. And, and now Christians were, were emerging all over this area and because Christians were developing, now new churches were being started by Paul and by Barnabas and others and, and, and there were all kinds of interesting dynamics in those relationships and now later he's going to say to his friend, his good friend Barnabas, hey, let's go back. Let's go back. It's time for us to go back, and we, we got this thing going. Let's go back, and now let's strengthen this movement of God. Let's go back, and let's, let's encourage these believers. And what this really reveals is it reveals Paul's pastoral heart and his love for these people. It was a great idea. It was pure motives. He's saying, Barnabas, road trip. Let's go. Are you in? You know, I love traveling with you. Whenever we travel together, we kind of already know each other's travel quirks, you know. We do well together when we travel. You don't have to stop every hour to go to the bathroom, you know. We're, we're just, it's great. Let's go on, you know. We, I, I love traveling with you, Barney. You know, I love you. You love me. We're a big, happy family, you know. That's where that, that's where that came from. And, uh, but, but here's what happens. It all starts with one tiny Little issue. Isn't that how it always starts? It's one little issue. And this is what we find happens. You know, it, it, there was no harm intended. It was a simple issue, simple idea, pure motives. You know what I'm talking about, men? You know, like when you got your wife for a birthday, a vacuum cleaner? There were pure motives in that, right? You just wanted her floor cleaning experience to be all that it could be. 
Or, or ladies, like maybe whenever you got him a treadmill for his birthday and patted him on his little tummy. And uh, pure motives, right? It all starts with these simple issues. So, so, so Paul raises this issue about, hey, let's go do this. And everybody's like, yeah, that's great. And then, and then uh, this simple request begins to come up through Barnabas. Now, verse 37, look what verse 37 says. I'm reading from the New Living. It says, Barnabas agreed. Be great to be able to put a period right there, and that's the end of the story. They agreed. Everyone lived happily ever after. But you know that's not the rest of the verse, right? Barnabas agreed. Wouldn't it be great if everybody just agreed with everything we thought anyway? Wouldn't it be a great world to live in? If everyone agreed with you on every single point that you had, it would be a great thing. But we know that that's not the way that it is. You should just try to see my family try to pick a place to go out to eat after church or something like that, okay? It's, it's interesting. We all have opinions. We all have ways that we think things should be done. We all have preferences, but this isn't the end of the verse. Read the rest of the verse, and here's what it says. Barnabas agreed, but he had a stipulation. He wanted to add to the idea. He wanted this. He wanted to take along this guy named John Mark. John Mark. And so he adds in his thought, his, his expectation. He wanted to take him along. Now, now, where I said family dynamics comes into this, here's where that happens, is that this John Mark was Barnabas' cousin. This was his cousin. There was a family connection that was going on. And he's saying, hey, let's, let's take John Mark with us. Now, I will say again, because John Mark had been with them on the first missionary journey. He had gone with them. And so this family dynamic enters in. And I don't know if you know this, but whenever family kind of gets into the mix, it can get messy, right? That's when it gets messy is whenever family starts being kind of messed with there. This was Barnabas's cousin. And just how many of you, you have a weird cousin? Anybody have a weird cousin out there? Okay. How many of you, you are the weird cousin? Would you lift your hands up? You're the weird cousin. All right. And you can probably see this situation emerging uh, or coming about. You invite a friend to dinner. You say, hey, let's go, let's go to this ball game together or whatever. And, I, and, you're, and you're like, would you like to go? And they're like, yeah, I'd love to go. And you're like, all right, I'm excited about this. And, and then they're like, they come back and they're like, hey, um, would it be all right if I brought, uh, brought my cousin uh, Fester? Would it be okay if he, if he was able to go with us? And you're on the outside, you're kind of going, Fester? Um, oh, yeah, I guess, okay. And, and on the inside, you're going, man, that dude's weird. I can't believe that he's asking, you know, he, first of all, his name's Fester, okay? Why is this guy, are you serious, this creepy bald guy that wants to, you know, that's going to go? And, and uh, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, okay, Uncle Fester there. All right, he looks like he's wearing a Snuggie or whatever. Why, what is going on with this? Why, why does he have to go? He's going to mess up everything. I had it all planned out. So this is kind of the idea we have going on here. Paul had in his mind, this is how this, 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 uh, this, trout, this journey is going to go. It's going to be Barnabas. He's my buddy, man. We, we hang well together, you know. I love it whenever I'm with Barney. He's an awesome guy. Now he wants to take John Mark. He's weird. He has two first names. Who has two first names, okay? All right. Now, if you do, that is perfectly normal, thus... I'm avoiding conflict, okay? We want to avoid conflict. But, but here's what's going on. Do you see how it's coming about? 
How many of you, you're going, man, that is exactly what happens in my, in my fights when they come up. I have my expectations. I want it to be like this. And, and you know, and some of you are more control freakish than, than others. You can nudge those that are next to you if you want. Okay, just be prepared and uh, for retaliation. Others of you, it doesn't bother you as much if things don't turn out the way that you want. But, but I kind of get this sense, and I'm not calling Paul a control freak. We will say that Paul was a strong personality. We will look at that in just a second. I have some thoughts about that. I'm not saying that I got all the thoughts cornered on Paul here, but Paul seems to be really, really just someone that, that the way that he thinks about this, this, this is the way it is, you know. And I don't know if you know someone like that, but, but here's what happens. Verse 38. We just read that first little part of that with me. What does it say? Paul disagreed strongly. <laughs> I would have liked to have watched this conversation, right, okay, because I'm sick. But um, in the Greek, what that means is throw down. That was a throw down. That's, what, that's how that translates is not throw, throw. That was a throw down right here. They're having. It goes on. It says, Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not shared in their work. I think, I think that John Mark... Um, had some immaturity issues. It's very obvious. Uh, we, we don't know what all happened there. But it's interesting to me. They did not just disagree. It was like, no, nah, I don't think that. It was like, all right, this started a, a little battle here. This started something that was not good. It says they disagreed. Paul disagreed strongly. I don't know if that was with the finger. I disagree. I don't know if that's what it was or what. But guys... What we're talking about, though, is two really incredibly godly men, right? You read about them, you're like, they're, this is Paul and Barnabas. They're godly men. They're the pillars in this church. And now a dispute has come up between these guys. And both of these guys are passionate about Jesus. Both of these guys have conviction that they are willing to die for when it comes to Jesus. And there's something, though, that came up in John Mark's past that Paul is saying, if he's in, I'm out. I can't do me no John Mark, okay? It's, it's it. It's done. I can't, I can't travel with him again. You know, he eats stinky chips the whole time. I can't take it. Well, I don't know if that happened, but it could have. And, but we read in the Bible what, what's, what's going on here is, again, you've, you've got this word strong disagreement. But if you were to read it in the original language, you would find some words. There's, the, the original Greek is, is one of the most descriptive languages ever. It has all these different words that really describe this. You'd find words like persistent and adamant. That, was, that, that were coming up in this. That's so meaning that Paul and Barnabas, they were persistent. They were, they were persistent about their opinion on this. They were adamant about this situation and their opinion. There was a line that had been drawn in the sand. There's no way I'm going to get into this other guy here on this. I can't. I can't travel with that guy. I, I, don't, I don't know if that sounds familiar to you, maybe not so much the traveling part, but you know what I'm talking about, where things kind of come up like this. Now, again, we don't know what all happened that, that, that John Mark had done. We don't know. I mean, we just know that he left. I mean, that must have been a big, big thing to Paul. 
Verse 13, if you were to flip back a few pages in Acts chapter 13, you'd find where that happened. There's not a whole lot about it. It just says in verse 13, it says, Now Paul and those with him left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing in the port town of Perga. Those are all hard words to say. And it says there John Mark left them. He left them. And it says he returned to Jerusalem. He had gone with them on this first journey as one of their assistants. He was an important part of this group as they were traveling. And for some reason, we don't know why, he didn't finish the job. He didn't finish it. And so, so now Paul on, on journey number two doesn't, doesn't want him because he doesn't want him to go because of the experience that he had on the first journey with him. And, and he knew that these were life and death situations that, were, that they were in. I'm thinking Paul was like, I've got to know that I've got a guy that I can count on. And he just seems a little flaky to me, was maybe the mentality. I, I don't know, you know, if maybe John Mark just got tired of Paul. Maybe he got tired of Paul. We don't know. Maybe Paul was hogging all the overhead storage on the pack mule with corny souvenirs from Ephesus. I don't know. We don't know what happened. We just know that, that Mark left. He left. I was reading this, and, and, it, and it bugs me because I'm like, why? I want to know. I want the dirt. I want to know what happened here. You know? God chose not to tell us why. If he wanted us to know it'd be in the scripture, it didn't really matter to him. You know what mattered? It mattered that there was a conflict and that he's showing us, and I love the integrity and honesty of the Bible, that it happened between two godly people. This happened. Paul and Barnabas, two different people, two different personalities. Again, just talking about Paul, what I kind of see from Paul and just personality that things have written about Paul, you see a guy that undoubtedly is driven. I mean, Paul seems so type A to me that he's a leader. He's, he's going to push out ahead. He's, he's going to push the envelope in certain things. And he's driven. He did a lot. He, he was always on the go. He was so bold in things that he would say. And the Bible talks about him not being this, this physical, intimidating type guy, but he was just so bold in spirit, you know. And, and I, I kind of see Paul as maybe a list person where he's got his list and tasks and you know what I'm talking about, all right? Those folks, where they're list-driven. And, and sometimes, I'm not saying all, but sometimes those who are maybe more task-oriented, sometimes maybe they don't give as much of the benefit of the doubt to people and they can run over people to get their task accomplished. Nudge, nudge, right? Hint, hint. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying anybody specifically. I'm just saying I know there are some of you here this morning that you're a task person. Paul was ambitious for the gospel. He had an ambitious personality. We studied about him before. Man, he was tough. He would be put in prison. He still wouldn't recant about Jesus. This was his personality. It was strong personality. And then there's Barnabas. and He's, he's also equally in love with Jesus just as much as Paul. Do you know what his name means? I've done a message on Barnabas a long time ago. You know what Barnabas' name means? Son of encouragement. He's the guy that everybody loves to love. He is a serious people person just beyond what anybody else is like. He, he's more inclined to show a little more grace in dealing with people. He's not maybe as task-driven or oriented. He's all about the mission and task-oriented, but he's just this just people person. He loves, loves people. 
And I mean this as a compliment. I joke a lot about Pastor Randy, but Pastor Randy is just, I see that Barnabas in him. He just loves people and people love him. And, and, and I see this, and that doesn't mean he doesn't get things done because he does that too, okay? And uh, he's found that good, good, healthy balance in this. But, but here's what I see is two different kinds of personalities. Two different personalities that respond to, two different situ- or to the situation in two different ways. And whatever John did, the personalities viewed it differently. They viewed it a little differently. Paul votes no. Barnabas, he votes yes. There is no Paula Abdul to work this out in the middle, okay? The conflict boils over. So verse 39 I remember whenever I was a new Christian and I was just consuming God's Word. I was reading because I wanted to know so much. And I was reading through the New Testament. I was reading through it and I, I came upon this story. And I was like, Paul and Barnabas, they seem like a perfect team. You know, this is great. I love it. The gospel's advancing. And then I came upon this. And I was a teenager, by the way, when I was reading that. And I was discovering this. And then I came across this and it grieved me. Their disagreement over this was so sharp that they did what? They, they separated. I was like, what? No! It cannot go like that! Barnabas took John Mark with him, and he sailed for Cyprus. That's an island out in the Mediterranean Sea there. Paul, he chose a guy named Silas. You probably heard about the story of Paul and Silas as they were in prison together in this journey, and they were singing. He chose Silas. He chose another guy that maybe complemented his personality better. And the believers did what? Now, what I notice about this is that all of this is going on, and you have to know that the believers are going, hey, why are Paul and Barnabas not going together on this one? What's going on with that? Why why is Barnabas going with John Mark and Paul's going with Silas now? Here's what I just want to say about this. The way that we do conflict as believers, people are watching. People are watching in our community in the way that if conflict, and it always emerges with it, we're people. When it comes up, people are watching how you deal with conflict. People watch with how you deal with conflict throughout the week in your day-to-day. Not just believers, but, but what about this? People that don't know Christ. They see how you respond and how you act, and you get all hateful and ugly, and you're all about the win and the conflict. It's not God-honoring, right? But these believers, they, they sent them off, entrusting them to the Lord's grace, So they traveled, this is Paul and Silas, they traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia to strengthen the churches there. You know the geography of this area, you know this, they're in different directions. Different directions. So what are we seeing here? Their conflict was so big, and apparently they were not able to come to resolution or agreement about this one issue I'm not saying that, that they, they didn't care about each other, they didn't love each other, because you'll find later Paul speaks very highly of Barnabas. You know? And had we had a, a letter or something written that's in the Scriptures from Barnabas, I think you'd probably find the same thing of him speaking highly about, about uh, Paul. But, but in this area, they, there was not a compromise here in their conviction. They, 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 but but here's, here's the thing. I want us to catch this because, again, I was grieved when I first read this. Then I started realizing this. You know what this conflict did here? The Lord took this and he used this instead of the early church only having one missionary journey that was going on in this area. Now, because God is God and God's in control, now there are two things that are going on. 
Now they were able to, to support and encourage twice as many people. It's, this multiplication happened through this. God can take this. God, God made lemonade out of the lemons here. As a result of the conflict, uh, they had a couple of powerful things that were happening. I began to think as I was studying this, what if Satan, who we know is the orchestrator of chaos and wants to destroy our relationships, do you know he was thinking, I know the way that I'm going to destroy this movement of God that's happening and Jesus, that's, all this is going on is I'm going to get in their relationships. I'm going to cause this problem in their relationships. But it backfired because these two men kept their eyes on Jesus. It backfired when Paul went in one direction and Barnabas went in another direction. The work still got done. The mission was not stopped. I know that as you read this, you're gonna, I encourage you to keep reading. I encourage you to study this out further. Some of you, though, uh, especially if you're type A, this is, this is going to bug you a little bit today because we don't have this, this definite resolution of this. The story is not all neat and tidy where everyone lives happily ever after. Some of you, you're sitting there, and I know, again, depending upon your personality, you're going, who was right? That's what I want to know. Was it Paul? If I were to ask, some of you would probably have a strong opinion. I think Paul was right. That dude, you know, he couldn't trust that guy. Or was it Barnabas? Some of you would be like, I'm with Barnabas on this one, okay? You could see how this could have split this church wide open. I mean, it really could have. Because people would be like, well, Bar- I, Barnabas is more about grace. Wait, I know Paul wrote the book of Galatians and Romans, so, okay, he's about grace too. But, but he seems to treat people differently. I mean, it would be really easy to see how this could have really hurt the movement of God because of some strong opinions. The Bible doesn't say who is right. We don't know. I'll just throw this out there. Maybe both of them are right. That's hard for our western way of thinking to receive that maybe both of them were right you know as i started looking at some of this too what that could mean is this is you know maybe both of them were wrong a little bit too maybe they both handled some things they look back and think i i I could have done that a little bit better i think there could be some evidence of that as you'll we'll see later that paul works again with john mark you'll see that as you study that you study that a little later these guys, they kind of went their own way, but what we, what we also find is that they both went God's way. They traveled God's way. They didn't travel together necessarily in this trip, but they traveled God's way. When you come to a moment like this in life and you've got tension, you've got conflict, the default thing is to do things the world's way. That's our flesh. Our flesh wants to attack world's way. Our flesh wants to get bitter and hold grudges world's way. Our, our, our flesh wants to, you know, to, to blame and that's the world's way, or to sabotage the other person, or gossip, or send 20 pizzas to their house at 10 o'clock at night. That's, that's Bart's way, okay? That's, that's what we want to do. Could it be that this, this who is right question, I want you to hear this. Could it be that the who is right question is the reason that, that you and I have so much conflict, and so much so little peace? Maybe if we spent less time trying to figure out who was right and spent maybe a little more time in the middle of the conflict looking for God. What does God have to say about this? What does God think about this? What does God think about the way that I'm handling myself? Looking for God to show up. What does God think about, about you know, the, the thing that I said or the way that I acted? 
Maybe if we were looking more at that and not, not what we think they should have done. or what they, And we start really kind of looking at God, God living within us. Could it be that Paul and Barnabas were able to maintain their course God's way because they weren't principally concerned with who was overall right? They weren't worried about, well, I hope that God learns his lesson, you know. They had their tension. They talked about it. They moved on. That's what I see. The newsflash is that people don't always agree. Christians don't always agree. But what God is teaching me and what God, I hope, is teaching all of us is that conflict can still, although it's there, it can be done right. It can be done peacefully. Conflict, although it's there, do you realize this? When it's done right, done peacefully, can be something that brings honor to God and doesn't, doesn't hurt Jesus' name within our family, within our community. It can be done right. So what happened? These guys went in two different directions, but they both went God's way. And God got His work done through their lives. Now, I'm thankful that God gave us these examples of conflict in the Bible. I'm thankful that there are two heroes of the faith that you and I can learn from that that disagreed, but here's the deal. They didn't, they didn't split up this, this church as a whole. They, they, they just came at things from a different angle. They didn't start two movements here that were, that were opposed to one another. They didn't become bitter enemies. They just disagreed. They disagreed. Conflict is inevitable. Here is, here's your thought for the day. If you don't catch anything else, here's what it is. Conflict is inevitable. Misery is optional. And that's up to you. You're going to have conflict, but the misery part of it and the lack of peace and the lack of joy, that's up to you. That ball is in your court. Paul went on to write later in his life in the book of Romans. He wrote in Romans 12, 18. Is it up there? Yeah. Would you read it with me? What does it say? Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. You do your part. You do all that you can, as much as possible, live in peace. The question is, is how? Let me just give you a couple of quick takeaways. This is not like a formula that if you do this, then all your conflict's going to go away. I'm not, I'm not that silly to believe. I know that some of the conflict you have is very complicated. I realize that. But here are just some things for you to consider. Some of them may apply to you. Some of them may not. Just real quick. Here's, here's what you can do. Number one, in the midst of your conflict is that you can begin to expect God to do something great, even though there's conflict. Start looking for God. Now, I know when conflict happens, we do not automatically go, oh, goody, I'm in a conflict. I mean, that doesn't, if you do, you're weird, okay? But, but what you can do is, is that when it hits, maturing as a believer you can begin to slow down just a little bit and go, God, show me the right way to act in this. God, give me a guard over my mouth. Can I get an amen? Not just for me, for you too, okay? All right? Give me a guard. Help me to, help me to do right in this. Help me not to, to gossip. Help me not to talk about this person. Help me, to, help me to, to, to handle this in a Matthew 18, 15 kind of way, which is, I go to that person just between the two of us. I don't post my problems about this on Facebook. 
amen, right? Okay, about all the conflict. Man, I, I see that stuff. I'm like, I can't believe they put that on Facebook, okay? But, but we, um, we, we look for God to show up. You know what I want to tell you is, I know you're looking at this, you're going, I don't know how God could show up in the midst of this. If you read the Word, what you'll find is that there's conflict after conflict of, that, that occurred in the Scriptures where God showed up. Look, look, now, Cain and Abel, you look at that one, didn't work out so good, right? Okay, um, But you look, at, you look at Joseph and his brothers. There was some serious conflict there. And there was a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. God had a plan even in the midst of this. Saul and David. Saul didn't necessarily deal with things in a very healthy way, did he? Chunking spears at David, not a good healthy thing, okay? All right. David and Absalom. I, I find this, I look at David, a lot of people wanted to whack David, man. I mean, they were all coming after him. Paul had a confrontation with Peter. And there's two bold personalities right there, right? Wouldn't you like to see that? These guys had a confrontation. And, and you know what? They still loved each other. They worked through it. Jesus had conflict with the Pharisees. I mean, the Bible is filled with this. What blows me away is I read all this. God always showed up in some kind of way in this, and He can in yours too. You've got to start looking for Him, though, in it. Here's the other takeaway, and this can be for all of us. This one starred in my notes more than any. It's important. It's just rejecting the world's way of responding to conflict, which is all those things we said earlier. You know, rejecting the world's way. Starting to say, I'm going to choose to, to allow the Holy Spirit to control me, control my mouth, control the way I respond. I'm going to, I'm going to choose forgiveness. You know, it doesn't mean we're going to be best pals. But just forgiveness is going to reside in this situation. And I believe this is what we see that happens with, with Paul and Barnabas here. You know, I, expected the God, I expect God to do something great. I reject the world's way of responding. Here's another part of this, and it goes hand in hand, is I forgive before engagement. And I'm talking about maybe a conversation. You have a forgiving spirit beforehand. And I just want to say this. this is one of the hardest parts of being a Christian right here is that if you are a believer, what the core of our Christianity is about is that you have been forgiven, therefore we must forgive. Tough, right? It's tough. Only can be done through God's Spirit. Paul, again... Having worked through conflict, Paul wrote this in Colossians. He says, he says, you must make allowance for each other's faults. Because we have them, don't we? We all get on each other's nerves in one way or another. Paul says, make allowance for that. We've got to grow up in the way that we treat each other. Make allowance for this, each other's faults. And then he says, forgive the person who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you. That's how you do that. You start thinking about how much you've been forgiven. So that you must forgive others. Christ's follower. Forgiving is not optional for you. It's mandated. Sometimes what we need to do, rather than having a big confrontation and all this stuff, sometimes what we need to do as we mature in the Lord is we just need to choose to start overlooking offenses. Because what I want to tell you is that if every time someone offends you, every time someone says something to hurt you, you feel like you've got to confront that and you've got to have a conversation, there's going to be a lot of hurt feelings. The Scripture talks about, about overlooking an offense. Proverbs says this, a man's wisdom, that means there's maturity there, gives him patience. It is to his glory to, say it with me, what does it say, church, to do what? To overlook an offense. 
Now, I, I, I'm, I don't think he's saying you avoid conflict at all costs. Sometimes a conversation does need to happen. But couldn't a lot of conversations be avoided if we just decided we were going to have a little more forgiving spirit? That we were just going to choose to overlook that? Here's the final thing, if you're taking notes. You work toward a resolution without escalation and without a victory dance where you've got to be right, Okay. When you go into that conversation that maybe needs to happen, you choose to go in with a forgiving spirit. Now, many of us, we, we probably would admit this, we're, we're really quick to see other people's faults and we oftentimes get blind to our own. Jesus pointed this out about our judgmental spirit that we can carry. So if you approach a conflict with a forgiving heart and you go to that person in private and you're like, you know, I just... Very humbly, I, I don't feel good about maybe what's going on here. I, I know I must have done something to offend or hurt you, and I just, in my spirit, I know I need to make things right. So I humbly, I, I just want to, I want you to know that. Can we have a conversation about that? You go in with that kind of spirit. I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. That doesn't all work out neat and tidy. Neither did the deal between Paul and Barnabas. But I, I, I can tell you, they may have a heart that's softened towards you. Two, they may say, that wasn't really that big of a deal, but thank you for, for mentioning that, you know. I appreciate your sensitivity. Three, they may tell you what they really feel, and it may hurt deeply, which is probably a clear indication that maybe they're not quite ready to make peace yet. Or fourth, they may own their part of it, and everything works out okay. Don't know how these things are going to work out, but regardless of how they have responded, here's what we end with right here. You've got to hear this. You've got to do your part to live in peace. You have a responsibility before God. I'm guessing that probably as we talk about this, I know this is tough to talk about because we all have maybe a name that comes to mind that we struggle with and it, and, and, and it comes up and we're going, oh, I just don't know what to do about that. Today, why don't you just begin to pray about that? Why don't you just begin to, maybe God's going to cause some of you to, to make some things right. Maybe it's something in a marriage. Maybe it is with a child. Maybe it's with a fellow, uh, fellow member. Maybe I, I don't know, but God will give you direction. If you'll just right now say, Lord, I, I welcome your instruction in my life. I want things to be right. I want to be right with you. So show me how to handle it. Conflict's inevitable. Misery's optional. If you were to Look at this, you'd find that, that, again, Paul, we don't find him working with Barnabas again, but you'll find later on that, that Paul ends up working with Mark. I think that's interesting. Maybe Paul at some point said, you know, maybe I do need to give that guy another shot. Maybe I need to work with him again. It's interesting. You, you, you also will find Paul will write very highly about Barnabas and say great things about him. You don't find anything in Ephesians about, and Barnabas is a scumbag or anything like that, okay? You don't find that. You find him saying great things about him. He blesses him, which means to speak well of. Conflict is inevitable. Misery is optional. Let's pray together about this. Again, I want to thank you for being here today. You were here on a day that God wanted you to be here. Right now as our our heads are bowed before the Lord in humility. There may be some of you here this morning that you would say, Pastor Bart, this is definitely something that's touched a nerve in my life.
And I'm just going to be honest. It's hindered me spiritually. And I know that there are some things that I need to deal with. I don't even know how to yet. And I'm not sitting here trying to give you a formula for it because you're going to have to really seek God in this. But what you would say is that I just acknowledge today that I want to take some steps before God in not just hearing His Word today, but putting into practice what I know the Word of God is showing me today. I need some wisdom. I need some courage. I just need some support in prayer as I look at this situation. If that's you today with nobody else looking around and you just would say, Pastor, pray with me today about this, would you just lift your hand up and I want to pray for you today. I won't embarrass you or call your name out. I I appreciate your honesty today. God bless you for that. I'm not giving you the answers on how to do that. I just know you do have to have a forgiving spirit. Let's Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Many of you, you, you did not raise your hand. I praise God for you uh, in that, in that things are right in your life. Maybe some of you just didn't want to raise your hand, and that's okay too. God knows your heart. Maybe those of you that things are okay right now relationally for you, but you've been through some tough relationship stuff. You felt that hurt. You felt that pain. Would you just pray for your brothers and sisters this morning who lifted their hands up and they said, I'm hurting. That's what being a family of God is supposed to be all about. Would you just pray for them right now? Just pray silently for them. Pray, God, give them wisdom. Give them discernment to know when to speak, to know when to overlook, to know, Lord, when to just remain silent. Those who lifted their hands, maybe you would just pray something like this. God, I... I need you to show me, Lord, in faith this morning. I pray in faith, knowing and believing. Show show me, Lord, that you can show up even in the midst of my conflict. You can intervene. You can do something great. Some of you might want to pray this. Lord, change my perspective about this. You might want to pray, God, forgive me because I've been handling this conflict the world's way. I've been very quick to to handle things, Lord, my default mode, which is this, whatever way it may be for you. God, forgive me. I want to handle things your way. Give me wisdom, Lord, to know how to take steps towards resolution. Help me, Lord, not to just look only for their response, but Lord, help me just to be obedient to what you're calling me to do. Heal the pain that I have right now, God. I need your peace and your joy. Father, I just lift up all my brothers and sisters today. I love you. I thank you, Father, for this church. I thank you, Lord. This is a safe place to be honest before you. I pray that your peace, Lord, would just rest upon your people today. That they would feel your presence. That, Lord, as they walk out of this place, that you would move them towards being obedient to what you've spoken to them about. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus, the one who has shown us and lavished upon us of grace and forgiveness toward like none other. Fill us with that same kind of love and forgiveness and grace as we go our way. In Jesus' name, amen.